we've been using the phrase deep faith. Deep faith meaning when I cannot touch the bottom, when your feet cannot touch the bottom, which requires us to be more dependent on Jesus. And what I love about that song we just sang speaks to us surrendering our entire lives to him so that we become more dependent on him. And then you know what we see? We see the goodness of God. Don't miss that. We see, we feel, we get to experience the goodness of God when we are most dependent on him. I shared this a few weeks ago when we first started the series. I figured it'd be a good way to end it as well. How much are you trusting Jesus? How much faith, how deep is your faith in Jesus? How dependent are you in him? Because oftentimes we, we say we have faith, yet we're still keeping our feet on the floor. Just in case something happens, so just in case this thing called Jesus and Christianity doesn't work out, I want to be able to be back on my feet. But what we just saying speaks to a complete surrender to lean so far back into the hands of God that we are completely, utterly dependent and reliant on him. We started this series saying that our faith is not what we do, but it's who we are. And that begins with a change in our heart. It's not just a list of to-dos, it's, it's who we are. We give our lives over to him and our identity is forever changed. Then last week we talked about how, yes, those behaviors and those attitudes do matter. In fact, your faith always applies and it impacts everything every single day. We talked a lot about those next steps in your deep faith. That we can take those next steps each and every day. It doesn't happen one day a week for an hour at 9.30. It happens every single day of our life. Today we're going to talk about the purpose that our faith gives us. The purpose that gets changed because of our faith. But don't miss. In order to have that kind of deep faith, you have to be willing to give your entire life to him. It's not about standing on your own two feet. It's about standing on your own faith. In Jesus. Matthew chapter 28, we get very clear insight into how our faith changes our purpose. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, here's our purpose, don't miss it. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And here's a promise to hold on to. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the promises that we have, the promises we can hold on to. But we're also thankful for how you change our hearts, change our lives, change our purpose because of our faith. So as we open up your word this morning, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of our hearts individually. Help us to see what those next steps are in our deep faith and recognizing that those next steps continue each and every day. But may we not miss the purpose that you have designated for our lives, the purpose that you have given us because of our faith in you. Speak, Lord, for we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, when I was in high school, I had a job like a lot of my high school friends. I uh, had a job in high school. My job from ages 16 to 18 was the dishwasher at a local nursing home. How about that for a first job? <laughs> 
Great first job in some ways. The schedule was good. I had a couple friends that worked there, but most of my friends worked at, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio area, and most of my friends in high school, they all got jobs at this huge amusement park called Kings Island. And Kings Island, like a Six Flags, was a great place. Tons of people would travel there. In fact, one of my best friends in high school, Josh, he actually met. Now, if you've never heard of Cincinnati in your life before, this probably means nothing to you. But growing up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and even being a Cincinnati Reds fan growing up, this was a big deal. That he even met, because of his job, Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. Some of you know of them. That's fantastic news. Usually I would get crickets. or like, and... In fact, Ken Griffey Sr. went up to my friend Josh while he was working at one of the roller coasters and looked at my friend in the eye and said, you're the man. <laughs> and I heard that story and I'm like, no one tells me that at my nursing home job. <laughs> I've never met anybody famous at my nursing home job. No, literally my job consisted of taking the food that the cooks would prepare, take it down the hallways, distribute it to all of the different rooms, come back just in time to go back out and pick up everybody's dishes, clean all the dishes, wash all the dishes, and then clean up and get ready for the next day. That was my job. And because I heard all these cool stories about all my, all of my other friends at, at Kings Island, and then I don't have any cool stories at my job, think about what that starts to do in you, right? It kind of builds up some frustrations, maybe even some envy of like, oh, I'm being wasted in this job. I've got so much potential as a 16-year-old kid. I could be at Kings Island making a huge difference in the world, meeting famous people instead of cleaning the dishes of the nursing home residents. <laughs> so it built some things up in me, and, and I wish I could tell you there is a better ending to this story, but there's not. I was just kind of like, I went through the motions, I did my job, I got paid, and I was very thankful to finally get out of that job after a couple years. I say that because I look back on that job and that season in my life, and I wish I could redo it. And here's why. There was a purpose that was in front of me that I did not recognize. There was a job in front of me that I was very well aware of. My job, what I got paid for, like I said, deliver the food, go back, pick up the food, then wash the dishes, prepare for the next day. That was my job, and I did it fine. wasn't that hard to do, though. But there was a purpose there that I never recognized. I see it now, but as a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid, I never saw it. You see, those residents that lived in that nursing home lived in that nursing home. Do you know they saw me more than they saw their own family most of the time? I was in their room Monday through Friday for dinner. I almost had more dinners with them than their family. And I wish I could go back because there was a purpose that I wish I would have lived out. I wish I would have recognized that my job was to do the dishes, but maybe my purpose in that season was to be family to somebody that didn't have a lot of family. I did my job well, totally missed my purpose. And I think sometimes we can get caught up in that. That we go through the motions, we get set on autopilot, and we're, we're going through life, and we're doing life, and we're taking care of other people, and we're doing all these things. None of those are wrong, necessarily. But I think sometimes we still miss our purpose. So this morning, I want us to be aware of the purpose that our faith gives us. In fact, the faith that we have actually changes a lot of our purposes, you may not know it, you may not recognize it, but hopefully by the end of today, you will not just be aware of it, you'll be excited to move forward in what that 
looks like. So we'll be in Philippians chapter 1. It's just a few verses, but we're going to hang out here the rest of the morning. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12, we're told this. The author is Paul. Paul is writing to the early church of Philippi, and here's what he writes to them. He says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here, we probably should pause there because we don't know what here is and what's exactly happened to him. Let me give you some context before we finish his thought and his sentence. He writes to this early church of Philippi and says, I want you to know that everything that has happened to me here, and everybody's on pins and needles waiting to find out what that means. So let me tell you a little bit about Paul if you don't know his story. Paul started out as a persecutor of the church. In fact, he was a religious leader that felt like his purpose in life was to grow as a religious leader in more prestige and in more power and in more fame for himself, to live out the law as perfectly as he possibly could. And also, he kind of added this little tagline purpose for his life is to snuff out the church and every Christian he could find. So that's what he felt was his purpose. He meets Jesus. His life was forever changed. His purpose was even changed. So now he starts to tell every single person he can about Jesus. You talk about a 180. Not only is he telling people about Jesus, he's traveling around this region, planting churches and encouraging churches, raising up leaders to start churches. If you read through the book of Acts, you can actually follow his journeys. We call them Paul's missionary journeys throughout the known area. Let me show you a little map just so you get an idea of what Paul really did do in this new season of his life. You can see at the top, kind of the legend there, first, second, third, his different missionary journeys. Down here on the bottom right is Jerusalem, where he was based out of, and then he would go all over this known region, this known this part of the world. He always wanted to go to Rome. You can see Rome in the top left. He had always wanted to go to Rome, and he had never gotten able, gotten a chance to be there. But you can read through all of his different letters, even his letter to the Romans. Romans is the book that we have. He says, I'm eagerly anticipating coming to you. I've been waiting to come to you. So we see that in Acts and in other places where Paul has been waiting to get to Rome. And in his first, second, and third journeys, he never makes it to Rome. Towards the end, though, he finally makes it to Rome. And he's so excited to be able to get to Rome. He's planning on preaching the good news about Jesus, changing lives, starting churches, like all this incredible stuff he's been waiting to do in Rome. He lands in Rome, and guess what? He's arrested. As soon as he gets to Rome, they arrest him. Now, most likely he would be in house arrest, which means he is confined to one residence, and there would always be a guard, if not physically with him, like in the vicinity, physically chained to him just to make sure that he didn't go anywhere, just to make sure he didn't do something he wasn't supposed to be doing. So here's Paul. Understand his perspective here, that he's been traveling all over this part of the world, telling people about the good news of Jesus and the gospel, raising up leaders, planting churches, encouraging these early churches. And he's been wanting to go to Rome, and he finally gets there, and he's arrested. And you've got to be kidding me. That's what I wanted to be able to do. So when Paul writes this, that's the here. He's writing to the early church of Philippi while he is in prison or under house arrest in Rome. So let's read it again, but now you have a little bit of that context. Since he's in prison and he's unable, what we would say, unable to do what he originally planned on. Verse 12 again, let's read it with the context in mind. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything... Showing up to Rome, being arrested, putting in chains, being under house arrest, that everything that has happened to me here in Rome, look at what he says, has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. 
And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here in Rome have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. I don't know if I could have written those words to say that everything that has happened to me here has, how would we fill in the blanks? has hindered me from doing what I thought I was supposed to do, has kept me from sharing the good news, which I thought I was supposed to be doing. He says, no, everything that has happened has helped. And we learned two things from Paul that we're going to talk through. The first one is a focus on the purpose. Notice I didn't say his purpose, the purpose. We read it out of Matthew 28 earlier, where Jesus said to his disciples, which we can take on today as well, that we are to go and make disciples. When you have faith in Jesus, when you are living out your faith, a good part of that faith is, yes, we've been talking about deep faith personally, but it's also a faith that helps other people in their faith. In other words, disciples making disciples. Faith changes your purpose. There's a deeper recognition, a deeper awareness of what we're truly called to do because of who we are. Because we are followers of Jesus Now, the most important thing that we do is growing deep in our relationship with Jesus and telling other people about a relationship with Jesus. That becomes our purpose. That becomes everything that we do. It's like the job that I had in high school. There's a job, and and we do that well, but there's also an underlying deeper purpose that if we're not careful, we might just miss. I'll confess, as far as being a dad goes, I'm a decent dad in a lot of areas, except when it comes to taking my kids fishing. That's just not something I love. It's not something I really grew up doing. I would love to play basketball or do a hundred other things than go fishing. But yesterday, my son bought a fishing pole. And I'm like, oh, why did we do that? Because you know what comes next, right? Let's go fishing. So I did. I took him fishing. We had this little lake in our neighborhood, lake, kind of like a retention pond where all the stormwater goes. Yep. So I was like, well, I guess we can go there real quick. So we go down there, zero expectations of catching anything. And of course, we didn't catch anything. I think there's technically some fish in there, maybe. Who knows? I guess it depends on what people like throw out of their house into this retention pond is what lives in there. So we fish for a little bit, don't catch anything. But that doesn't mean my kids don't find things to do. So this is a what? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you're not intelligent, but let's state the obvious. This is a what? fishing pole. Yes, and the purpose of a fishing pole is to do what? It's really one thing. To catch fish. That's exactly right. Now, my kids did not catch any fish yesterday, and we didn't even stay long enough to even really try to catch any fish. But you know what they did the rest of the day with this brand new fishing pole that they got? Oh, man, they found all kinds of things to do with this thing. It did. I heard it. It started out with just like sword fights. I'm like, no, 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 guys, that's not what it's supposed to be used for. And they said, oh, okay. So then they went out and they actually started like practicing in the backyard casting. I was like, ah, that's not a bad thing until it turned into a competition. I was upstairs working with Becky on some stuff in the house and I, the kids come and say, dad, 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 we need your help. I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, we need you to get our fishing rod unstuck. I said, from what? The basketball goal. Help me understand. Well, we were seeing how far we could cast it and make a basket. I'm like, that's actually kind of a cool idea. Not what it was meant to be used for, but props on thinking through that one. Then I heard the dog going nuts outside. You can see where that one was going. Let's make Cooper go all the different places. My favorite one, though. I made Becky go into this one. I was like, I have gotten this fishing rod unstuck out of all kinds of different things. Becky, it's your turn. My middle son comes upstairs like, Mom, the fishing pole's stuck again. She says, okay, where's it at? The refrigerator. (laughs) Not joking. 
So we see a fishing pole that has a very obvious purpose that was obviously not used for what it was intended to be used for. Right? We would almost say that in our own lives. Well, there's a lot of things that our lives could be used for. You look around, not just in your own life, but in other people's lives, and there's a lot of things that people might define or describe as their purpose. Maybe it is just money. I need to make money because that's my purpose in life so that I can provide for my family. We can do all these things together. Maybe people identify, well, that's my purpose. Maybe it has to do with their job. Maybe identity gets wrapped up in our profession and our career and climbing the ladder of success and having the fame and having the name. Maybe that's where people have identified as their purpose. Maybe it's just survival. Maybe it's just my purpose in life is to make it through life. There's definitely seasons where we probably feel like that even. Maybe there's even more noble purposes that people have attached themselves to, saying, I'm going to be the most generous person I can possibly be. Maybe I want to make a difference in this world, and I want to be a difference maker, and I want to change things in my world. Those are very noble purposes, but my question would be, is that the purpose of our life? I think oftentimes we miss it. In fact, I think oftentimes we substitute and interchange these two words, potential and purpose. Potential, all the things I could do, all the things that I might be able to do, all the things that I could accomplish, all the things I could use this fishing pole for. And we spend our life chasing after our potential, trying to reach our full potential, yet we still miss our intended purpose. Now, I'm not knocking all the potential stuff. Like, those things can be great. Yes, chase after potential, but don't neglect your purpose. Because you can spend your whole life trying to reach your full potential and never accomplish your purpose. Don't miss the purpose that your faith gives you and your faith actually changes. Jesus' words again, this time in Matthew chapter five. He gives us again clarity on our purpose. Matthew chapter five, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. You, as believers of Jesus, as followers of him, of those with faith, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16, here it is. In the same way, let your good deeds, that means everything that you do, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Why? So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So everything that we do points back to Jesus and us having a deeper relationship with him, depending more on him, but also letting other people know who Jesus is, pointing people to him. Again, I think of my 16-year-old self where my job was to do the dishes, but my purpose was to point people to Jesus and show him his love. And everything that we do, church, you, we are the light of the world. The moment we begin following Jesus, that becomes our purpose. So yes, do all the things that you love to do and that you you enjoy doing and the things you do to get the paycheck and to pay for the bills and to provide for your family. But please don't mistake, make the mistake of substituting potential and purpose. Go after your potential, but don't miss the purpose that God has given you because of your faith. Because that's what Paul does here, right? He says, everything that has happened to me has helped spread the good news. He says, that's the purpose. doesn't matter the environment. doesn't matter what's happened to me. doesn't matter where I am. doesn't matter who's here listening to me. My purpose is to spread the good news of the gospel. 
and to tell people about Jesus, whether that's in prison or whether that's in the synagogue, whether that's in a church, whether that's in a home, whether it's on the street, that's the purpose, to spread the good news. Now, there's another part to this that we can't overlook. He says, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers have, had, have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. You have to understand that there's also a perspective that Paul has. So he recognizes his purpose, our purpose is the same, to tell other people about Jesus, about the faith that we even have. But there also has to be a change of perspective. Faith changes your perspective. It has to change your perspective. Perspective means how we see things or how we view things, the things we focus in on. Right? So if faith changes our purpose, here's what I'm called to do. Big picture, here's what I'm called to do. Then perspective says, well, here's what I'm focusing in on. Here's what I'm fixing my eyes on. Here's what I'm fixing my thoughts on. Here's how I'm viewing every single situation and every single relationship. Now, I need a couple volunteers. I need some help with this next part. I just need two guys that can hold something. You don't have to do anything weird, I promise. I understand it can be a little nerve-wracking. All right, right there, two. Come on up. All right, so here's what I need you to do. If you'll hold this one, you'll hold this one. Good, let's make sure you're in the right spot. Okay, hold up a little bit higher, like shoulders. Actually, it's probably like shoulder for you, head for you. That's all right. I'm a short person, I can make short jokes. All right, so you got that. Here's, here's how perspective works. So when you look at the whole picture, we see a lot of different aspects of this picture, right? We see a sunset or maybe a sunrise, depending. We see the waves, looks like a little choppy water. You see clouds, dark skies all around. So. What we tend to do is we see this whole situation and we tend to focus in on something very specific, don't we? So we see the whole situation, but we focus in on just the dark clouds. We say, oh, it's not looking good. This is a really big problem right now. Or, or maybe we focus in over here. It's like, oh, it is super choppy. It's just life's really rocky right now, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's a little okay. I see some light at the end of the tunnel, but mostly it's just really difficult right now. Do you see what happens in our perspective? See, Paul could have had two perspectives. The first perspective would have been, I cannot believe I'm in prison. God, why did you do this to me? I was supposed to tell the whole world about the good news. I was planning on going to Rome to tell people about Jesus, and now I'm in prison. I can't do that now. That would be one perspective. But Paul has a different perspective. Paul says, this is awesome. I've been wanting to tell people about Jesus in Rome and I wasn't exactly sure how people would receive it, so they arrested me. And now I have a guard that has to be with me every minute of every day. Guess who they're going to hear about? <laughs> Jesus! It's like, I can't wait! They're going to be dying to trade out jobs. Do you just imagine these, these Roman guards that when they have their shift change, they come up, is he still talking about Jesus? Yeah, tag, good luck, man. <laughs> Just get baptized and get it over with, and he'll get them to be quiet. He's like, he's like, this is awesome. Remember what he said? The whole temple guard, the whole palace guard knows why I'm here. And he says, and you know what? I've been able to be an example. This is a difficult situation, but guess what? The other Christians in the area, they're getting confident. They're getting more bold. Oh, I couldn't have asked for a better situation. That's perspective. You guys are great. Thank you so much. You want to roll that up? I have to use it next service, so please be gentle. Second service, they can do whatever they want with it. 
You guys, are, you guys did really well until this part. No, no, I'm sorry. The perspective is I'm so proud of you guys for volunteering and taking, taking a next step even when it seemed very difficult. I'll tell you what, just put it over there. You guys are great. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Give them a big hand. They were fantastic. Great job. It's all in how you view things. <laughs> but that perspective is so important, isn't it? So often we walk into our lives and we walk into a situation and which perspective are you framing up? Which perspective are you focusing in on? Because oftentimes we might recognize that purpose. We might say, well, my purpose is to, to grow deeper in my relationship with Jesus. My purpose is to tell other people about Jesus, but I can't right now. Do you see the situation I'm in? I can't do this right now. I mean, maybe a little bit later. Oh, no, change your perspective. In fact, if you go over just a couple pages, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, pretty famous passage in the church world. Paul writes this, still to the early church of Philippi. We're still in the book of Philippians here. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thought. Look, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Don't miss. He's writing this where? In prison or under house arrest. He says, no, fix your thoughts. Change your perspective on this. And watch what God might do with you. So I want to help with that. Let's make this a little bit more practical here. We see how Paul did it. He recognized his purpose, not his job, not this season of life, but truly, because I'm a follower of Jesus, my, my purpose in life is to grow in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to tell other people about Jesus and point people to him. That's our purpose, from Jesus, in fact. That's our purpose. And oftentimes, we walk into our situations and we have to change our perspective. Now, that's on us. Jesus has given us purpose, but we have to adjust our perspective at times. Like, that is on us. We might not be able to control the situation. We might not be able to control the people around us. We might not be able to control our environment. But yes, we are responsible for our perspective. For Paul, if he didn't have a change of perspective, he would have just been another Christian in jail. Instead, he has a great opportunity to fulfill and accomplish the purpose of growing in his relationship with God, but also telling other people about the good news. So we are, in many ways, in control of our perspective. So let me help you make that a little bit more practical. There's three questions that I think will help. First two are very, very obvious. I'm not insulting your intelligence, but let's at least get it out there. The last one is where I think it's gonna, you're going to have to lean in a little bit. Here's the first one you would ask is, where am I? What is my current situation? What's my current environment? Who's around me? Who has God placed around me in this season right now? Those two are pretty obvious. You can identify those really well. But then here's the third part. Well, what is my perspective? I want to keep that up there because let me go through a few examples. Becky, my wife, she's been a stay-at-home mom for a long time, just started working this last fall. So we were talking about how this would apply for her. Well, where am I? At home. Who's around me? My kids all the time. What's my perspective? There's two perspectives you could take. I just have my kids that I have to deal with all the time and I have to get fishing poles stuck out of basketball goals and refrigerators and, oh, I'm just trying to keep them alive. Or I have an opportunity to disciple these three kids every day until they move out of the house. It's a different perspective, isn't it? That fulfills a purpose. Where am I? Maybe you would say church. I'm in church. Well, who's around me? 
I think of our, our nursery workers that are with infants right now. They've got these truly infants just in their arms rocking them. What's my perspective? Just wait for Brian to finish up preaching. Any day now. <laughs> or to pray over this young child and to pray that they would have a faith of their own one day and to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a child that doesn't even know the name of Jesus yet. I think of our door greeters. Where am I? Standing out a front door. Who's around me? Everybody that walks in this place. What's my perspective? Well, I'm really not reaching my full potential opening doors for people. I really could be used to do a lot more. Or I get to smile at every single person God brings here today. I wonder what that smile will do in somebody's heart. I wonder what walls that begins to break down. I wonder if that gives an opportunity for Jesus to work his way into somebody's life today. What about your job? Where am I? Work. Who's around me? Bosses. Most people have more than one boss. <laughs> Bosses and coworkers. Well, what's my perspective? Just trying to make, make my money, keep my head down, get things done, maybe not get noticed, maybe not get in trouble. Maybe your perspective is I've got to do everything I can to, to make more money. I've got, to, I've got to keep climbing this ladder. Or, I wonder whose marriage is in trouble. I wonder who's struggling at home with depression and anxiety. I wonder who's having a difficult time with their kids. I wonder if I have an opportunity to speak hope and truth and life into them today. In fact, last week, I asked you all to turn in a next step card. By the way, that's not a one-time thing. That's why they're still on your seats. You'll have some more next steps as you finish those. This one got turned in. I think it fits extremely well. I just started a new job where I know no one. It is a large corporate environment, and it is caught up in politics. It is also virtual for the time being, so I feel God urging me to show others my passion for him and to display his love clearly for others. There's not currently a space for that, and I honestly don't know if it is even welcomed. So here's to confidently displaying faith in a worldly and self-seeking atmosphere. I want to make the difference. All of a sudden, a job isn't just a job anymore. It's purposeful. And growing deeper in your relationship and helping others in theirs. So where am I? Who's around me? And what is my perspective? We talked a little bit about purpose and potential, that we could go our entire lives trying to reach our potential and never fulfill our purpose. I think of Jesus and his great potential. I mean, the son of God, God in human form, had so much potential. I mean, he could do anything with his life. He could have been anyone. He could have been an emperor if he wanted to. He could have overthrown the Roman Empire and government. He could have come in as a military figure and leader. He could have rose the ranks in the religious, the religious uh, leadership. He could, become, he could have become the greatest rabbi the Jews had ever known. So much potential, but he had a purpose. See, Jesus never reached his full potential here on earth, but he did accomplish his purpose when he went to the cross. And he died for your sins and mine so that we could be reconciled with God and live in eternity with him. His crucifixion and his resurrection fulfilled his purpose, not his potential. May we follow suit to recognize our purpose 
and don't say our potential is necessarily our purpose. When you came in this morning, you were given communion, a little cup that has a, a piece of bread on top and then the juice below. We're going to take communion today to remember not Jesus' potential, but to thank him for his purpose that he accomplished. To thank him for his crucifixion on the cross that, like I said, takes our sins away. To remember his resurrection that gives us life, not just today, but for all of eternity, for those that believe in him, scripture says. The bread, the little cracker, represents Jesus' body, his body that was broken for us. The grape juice represents Jesus' blood that was poured out for us. After I pray, I'm going to give you a moment between you and him to remember, to thank, and maybe even to become more aware of the purpose that he has given you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for fulfilling your purpose for us. That your time on earth was not about you, it was about you bringing us back to yourself through your crucifixion and your resurrection. So thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Help me to recognize my purpose as I follow you wholeheartedly. I pray that would be our collective prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So we sing this next song. If you would take just a few moments between you and your Lord, you can take communion on your own as you remember his sacrifice.